welcome to the Pulse Lock Podcast. My name is Jerome Devitt. Thanks for joining me on this strange new journey that we're taking together. Making podcasts is as new to me as studying Pulse Lock is to you. So at the very least, we'll have that something in common. This is the inaugural episode of the podcast designed to help students taking the new Leaving Certificate subject with the formal title of Politics and Society, though I think my abbreviation, Polsock, is far cooler. And yes, I, I do understand that what I think is cool might seem very different from what you do. And guess what? I'm okay with that. Before we get stuck into the more detailed exploration of the wide-ranging themes of the course, I want to take a few minutes to introduce exactly what it is I'm hoping to do with the episodes that are to follow in the next few weeks. Most critically, it's important for you, the student, to understand that there's nothing that is said here that you should consider to be prescriptive, nothing that you should think is the definitive interpretation of any of the ideas discussed. You should not take my word for it. I'll go even further. You shouldn't take anybody's word for it. Read explore, discuss and critique any and all of the ideas that are presented to you until you're satisfied of their validity or falsity for yourself. As a matter of principle, I'm going to try and stick to the same three rules that I use to govern my classroom to govern this podcast. And just for a second before we get going, I'd like you to think about why I've chosen the rules I'm about to tell you. The basic idea here is that we can all undertake a civil, constructive and useful discussion. That's the goal anyway, so here are the rules. Rule number one, you're not entitled to an opinion. You are entitled to an informed opinion. In other words, it's not okay for you to just randomly pick a position on any topic without having first spent some time trying to come to terms with the topic and the ideas involved. Don't reject the poetry of Keats, for example, without having read any. Don't dismiss the insights of Karl Marx or Thomas Hobbes or Sylvia Welby without first having spent some time giving them, or anyone else for that matter, a fair hearing. Rule number two. Never get into a debate with anybody unless you feel that both they and you are prepared to change their mind. I can't tell you how many times I've been in what I thought was a reasonable conversation with somebody only to find out that what the other person was doing was just waiting for me to finish speaking so they could say whatever they were going to say anyway, without even listening to me. I hate when people talk past one another, not to one another. Equally, you have a duty to others to have the basic manners to listen, because listening is one of the key skills that any student hoping to become a fully-fledged citizen needs to develop. Otherwise, we too quickly enter into what we all know of as the dreaded echo chamber. Finally, rule three. No idea is above scrutiny, but no person is below dignity. What we discuss here is not religion. It does not require an act of faith. It requires you to think deeply about your positions and to be able to justify your claims. But even when you have the deepest chasm of disagreement with somebody, you must always remember that they are human too. All too often what happens is that when we disagree with somebody, the result is that we end up attacking the person, not the idea or the argument. And these kind of attacks, attacks when we want to sound smart, we use Latin always, and we call them ad hominem attacks. These kind of attacks never get you anywhere of any use, and usually make the situation worse. 
Now, you might want to go back over the last couple of minutes there and have a think about whether you agree with these general propositions or if you can improve upon them. <laughs> Look, if you can, I'll be all ears because if I didn't, listen to your suggestions. I'd be breaking rule number two and that just wouldn't do it all. So this might be a good point at which to introduce one of our returning features, the quote of the day. Now, whenever this is coming up, you'll hear the following sound. It's time for quote of the day. That's the sound of my busy seven-year-old son. Uh, and anybody who's had to take care of kids for any length of time will know keeping them busy and contributing to what you're doing is a win-win for everyone. So today's quotes are around the theme of patriotism. What I'll do is I'll introduce two separate interpretations of this idea from two different perspectives. The first is this. Quote, patriotism is the last refuge of the scoundrel, spoken in 1755 by Dr. Samuel Johnson, the famous English writer and the guy who compiled the first major English dictionary. What he's suggesting, I think, is that if you are appealing to patriotism, then you've shown that you've already lost the argument and are looking for some other way to sway people. This is particularly important at the moment in the current political climate where some British ministers and even Donald Trump have begun to question the patriotism of their political opponents who question their policies, whether they're Brexit or travel bans, instead of actually engaging with the ideas. The second quotation is from Mark Twain, the famous American 19th century wit and writer of such classics as The Adventures of Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. He wrote that patriotism is, quote, supporting your country all the time and your government when it deserves it. A definition I can definitely get behind, and one which recognises the need for political dissent and criticism of the government when it's appropriate. Quite apart from the fact that these quotations can help to improve your understanding of the idea itself, it's worth bearing in mind that being able to introduce some of these quotes into your essay might be a very good way of showing a little bit of nuance and that you understand the broader implications of an argument. So it's worth bearing those quotes in mind. So, look, how will this podcast actually work? Well, as often as I can, and you'll need to remember I'm a busy teacher, I'll post episodes that consider a wide range of topics that are relevant to the course. I'd anticipate at least one episode, but possibly more, about each of our 16 key thinkers, and separate episodes on some of the other key strands of the course, and even a few episodes maybe looking into our national and supranational institutions. We can devote some time to planning, doing and reporting on our citizenship projects, as well as considering the best ways in which you can prepare for the requirements of the different aspects of the terminal exam in June. But remember, your voice is important in this process too, and if you have any special requests, I'd be more than happy to consider them. In fact, I've always found in my own classes that some of the most interesting and fruitful conversations have emerged from when we pursue the interests of the students themselves, so there's no reason that that can't happen here too. But let me be clear about one thing, this is not a solo effort. You've already heard my seven-year-old and you're going to hear my three-year-old shortly. Most of the episodes that follow will be produced in collaboration with other contributors. I'm lucky. I've got some really smart friends and I intend to absolutely ruthlessly exploit their insights in order to help you along your journey to becoming a fully-fledged citizen. I'm hoping that I'll have useful interviews and conversations with university academics, 
Some of my fellow teachers of politics and society and of other subjects where it might be useful. Some of our dedicated and talented politicians, representatives of NGOs and non-governmental organisations, and from the national media, and who knows what other surprises might pop up along the way. But I can't stress this strongly enough. I'm really hopeful that you, the students, either from my own school or from other schools, will join me along the way. I've always learned best from my peers, and I suspect that you might be that way too. So then let's introduce one of the other key features that will be coming back each week to help us on our journey. I think I'll let my three-year-old introduce this one. <laughs> you simply can't underestimate how difficult it was and how much fun it was to get my three-year-old to record the phrase untangling the terminology. Because, well, there's nothing worse than misunderstanding a term in a question that leads you down the wrong path. Today we'll start with untangling the difference between a direct and a representative democracy. The first term, direct democracy, is the idea that everybody in the state should be able to vote on every issue that comes up for consideration. Imagine a scenario where there's weekly or even daily referendums on every decision that the government has to make, from tax policy to healthcare budgets. I don't know if I'd have the time to get up to speed on such a wide range of issues in our global world to do this well. It might be as simple as whipping out your smartphone twice a week to vote on a whole range of issues. But, as we know, these things can be hacked. The second term is representative democracy, and it's much closer to the everyday experience in a republic, where every few years each constituency elects representatives, TDs in Ireland or MPs in Britain, for example, to make decisions on their behalf. What's the advantage to this? Well... It allows for certain TDs to gain specific expertise in certain areas, like foreign policy, for example, allowing them to make informed decisions on your behalf. If you'll remember back to rule number one, you'll guess that I'm probably okay with that. The goal is to make sure that these podcasts are accessible. With that in mind, I'm aiming to keep the language pretty simple. And where I use those key ideas of terminology, I hope to remember to explain and contextualise them as I go. I also want them to be accessible in terms of length. Hopefully each episode will last between 20 and 30 minutes, suitable for your walk to school or from school, your bus or car journey, or suitable to be listened to on one of what I'm sure will be many study breaks, and that you can't see me doing the ironic air quotes around that, but I am, the study breaks that you'll be sure to be taking as you eventually put your nose to the grindstone in your leaving set preparations. And if you're not a politics and society student, maybe you're an interested parent or a teacher of another subject considering making the change, or perhaps you're what my ten-year-old daughter calls some randomer. Well, you're more than welcome to. You'll never meet somebody as in favour of lifelong learning than me, and I hope that you can all contribute to the conversation as well. Look, even if this only ends up being listened to by a handful of students, I'll consider it to have been a success. I'm hoping that by the time the first episode goes live, I'll have at least two or three others ready to go. So don't forget to like and subscribe on iTunes, assuming that is that I can figure out how to actually do that. So the final feature we'll introduce today will sound a little like this. The students fight back!
So the voices you're about to hear are some of my own students, and I asked them why they chose the subject in the first place. And here's what they said. Far away, Poppy. Off you go. Uh, my name is Poppy, and I chose this subject because I wanted a challenge. My name's Kim, and I chose POSOC because I think that no matter what you choose to do after school, what you learn in POSOC is still really important. My name's Sky, and I chose POSOC because it was a new exclusive subject, and I thought they'd take it easy and grade it easier. Also, I just like arguing with people. <laughs> Hopefully that will have given you some kind of insight into why the students in my class and hundreds and hundreds of other students around the country have chosen this new subject. It's a risk, but I think it's a risk worth taking. And we can only imagine what the long-term benefits to our society will be by having a group of informed and educated citizens. And if you've stuck with me this far, it's only fair for me to tell you what you have to expect next time round. Well, I'll be going to interview Professor Robert Armstrong, an historian in Trinity College Dublin who's an expert on the 17th century, and he's someone who's perfectly placed to give us a, an introduction to the context and the ideas of Thomas Hobbes. Uh, and hopefully you'll tune in next time to hear more of that. So I'll end this episode as I hope to end every episode by reminding you that even though it might not always seem so, it's important for you to remember that you don't exist apart from society, but that you're a part of society. See you next time.